Welcome to Unravel Our Travel, where two enthusiasts dive into their favorite trips, tips, and tricks. What's up, Lauren? Oh, you know, living life. It's getting warmer. It is getting warmer. There's actual sunshine outside, which is incredible. Yeah, something to look forward to. I know. So does your location slash topic have something to do with sunshine and warmth and good feelings, good vibes? So, no. Uh, yes to good Ooh. feelings, good vibes. But what's actually funny, I was really torn. Um, yesterday, I got a memory from our senior year, like on Facebook, a memory from our senior year of college from my spring break, um, where I went on a cruise to Cayman Islands, Jamaica, and one other place I can't remember. And it made me so happy. Like there was sunshine. We went cliff jumping. And I totally, like all throughout today, when I was thinking about what I was going to talk about, I was like, I'm going to talk about that. Like, it'll be super easy. I basically don't have to take notes for it because, like, it was kind of a fun trip, but we did some cool stuff that I'll eventually talk about. Um, And it's sunshine, summery, warm. And then I sat down to plan this, and I was like, nope, I want to tackle the first time I went to the Highlands in Scotland, which I've been avoiding because it's just one of the most special moments I've ever experienced traveling and so it, mm. it, you build it up and you build it up. And there was a lot of thought in it, too, because I went I did um, quite a few day trips to the Highlands and I did two uh, longer trips that were phenomenal. And I was like, do I combine them? Like, do I match them? Um, and I decided I'm going to treat them as two separate trips because the experiences were totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm only going to talk about the like two, three day trip I went on the very first time I went. And uh, yeah, cold, rainy. It was like end of September. No, like no sunshine. (laughs) Yeah. So when I think of the Highlands, I just think of gray skies and rolling green pastures on rolling hills. But to start out, what are the Highlands? Yeah, that is a great, uh, great question. So in Scotland, it's the like pretty much kind of like the northernmost area. Um, And it's what you'd think of as like people will refer to them as like the wild highlands. And it's really where a lot of Scottish culture, like true Scottish culture before it was totally squashed by the British and straight up outlawed, um, which did happen. And they were basically their morale was beaten down to lose their identity. Um, It hung on there for the longest. And it's where, you know, Granted, this is a very, I think I've said this before, a very controversial film for Scottish people, but uh, um, Braveheart, like, mm-hmm. which first of all, it actually was filmed in Ireland mostly. I don't think any of it was filmed in Scotland, but it's like that idea, even though that is wildly historically inaccurate, uh, Robert the Bruce and um, William Wallace did not mm-hmm. like interact. That was not really a thing. Um But it's that idea of, like, independence. And even now, like, when I was in Scotland, a lot of Scottish people, like, there's this strong, like, patriotism with it. Um, So it's kind of, like, a very sparse area. You are right in terms of, like, rolling as far as the eye can see. There are some different, like, villages that still, they feel very old school. Like, a lot of stone buildings, pretty small. You feel like you're stepping back in time. Um, so there are places like that, but in terms of when you're driving through, it's just greenery. Um, there are hills, but also mountains, like there are actual mountains there that a lot of people hike like Ben Nevis, which, um, they're pretty difficult mountains too. 
So mm-hmm. it's not a very flat area. Even like what I maybe say, like different hills, um, they're not just these like beautiful rolling, like they're pretty steep. Like it's it's a serious landscape. Um, and it is uh, gray skies. You do get some really pretty blue blue ones as well, but there's just so much color because everything is green from the moisture. Honestly, I think it's almost more beautiful in the rain. There are so many locks, which are like massive, massive lakes, like Loch Lomond, which you may know mm-hmm. from the famous song, I'll take the high road, you take the low road. Um, that song. Uh, and I, I don't have, know that song. You don't but know I'm sure it? Most other people do. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. You would uh, you would probably recognize it if I played it for you. I'll, I'll, I can't on the. I almost just pulled out my phone, but we'd, I'm sure I somebody know. would I like can see yell you at thinking us. about it. Yeah, but I'll uh, I'll send it to you after. I have a couple um, music recommendations I want to make at the end. That if if we ever put money into this, maybe we'd play it. But I don't want to pay for any licensing. Um, and so instead, I'll just make a recommendation. Um, but it's just like unreal and when it is raining a lot these little rivers like and waterfalls will form coming down the mountain so there's some that are always there but then there's some that appear just the way that the water is rushing and it just instills this like wild romanticism um and there's nothing like it um when i think of it i don't think of any trees are there trees so no, but what's interesting is the highlands actually used to be uh, like dense forest. And as you're going through it now, it's just grasses and, you know, bushes. Um, and what's funny is it's actually because of deforestation. Um, that was a really big uh, product from the area. And so we did drive through one area where they're starting to replant. And it was so interesting because all of a sudden, like, it's not a ton, but you just go from like, nothing which almost makes it seem flatter because you can see further and then there's just like a ton of trees in this one area so they're trying to grow it back up um they're also trying to reintroduce some different types of wildlife uh don't quote me on it because i I don't remember particularly but i think it was like wolves used to be in um, indigenous to the area they were over hunted especially with farming and i think there's been a conversation about reintroducing them in in a safe way um i I honestly don't know where it's netted out and i'm sure that there are other animals that that is true of too Mm -hmm. uh so this very first trip that we went it was at the end of september so a lot of my photos are dated for like the 25th so it was sometime around there i'd only been in scotland for three weeks to a month at that point And um, this was a trip that was with the group I was studying abroad with, which I went through API, which I think you did too. Um, And so our, she wasn't a tour guide. She was like our designated API like guide for everything. Our ambassador, yes, who I'm actually still very good friends with Tara. And it's funny because at the time I was like, oh, like, she's so much older, like, so mature. She's an adult. Like, she's only a couple, like, she's a handful of years older than I am. And so we always joked. We became pretty good friends after. Uh, And so she was very professional all all during it. And then afterwards, I I went back to Scotland, like, six months later. I was not part of her program anymore. And we were able to, like, go out for drinks and and stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, you're only, like, late 20s. (laughs) Um, 
she was like two or maybe four or five years older but that was it so it was kind of funny perspective such perspective it was like i was like wow you and she's like yeah i can't believe i'm in charge of all (laughs) all of you um but so this was one of there were a couple day trips and then i think this was one of the only although we may have had one other like overnight um and so it was already like kind of prepaid for through the charges with api and it was was with a group of everyone that you knew who was also studying abroad there um from all across the states but they uh work with an actual like travel guide who there are so many tours that you can go on and book online when you're going to scotland i highly highly recommend um i'm not normally a like pay for a tour go on a tour bus kind of gal however i don't recommend trying to drive in scotland especially in the highlands there you know are a lot of accidents that happen with tourists because you have to remember that it is the uk everything is on the opposite so you're driving on the opposite side of the road the actual steering wheel is on the opposite side of the car it's on the right side of the car and most cars are manual so now you're trying to shift with your left hand which you need to know how to drive or sorry no they're yeah they're manual so you need to know how to drive stick shift you have to drive on the opposite side of the road it's crazy bad visibility when it's like downpouring the roads are really tight and narrow and steep it's bad visibility when it's raining and can get really muddy it's bad visibility in winter when there's like snow squalls and storms because they do get snow um and trying to drive along with like other buses and cars like it's just i don't recommend it unless you are there for like a significant amount of time or very confident in your driving the other thing is um even if you are a more independent person you do miss out on a lot because when you're focused on where am i going where am i driving and you're trying to do all these things you're missing the scenery and like half of being in the highlands is just being able to watch it pass by the window um and also on a tour group what i have found is you can find and and most of them aren't like the buses you see pulling up here in the states at national parks with like 50 people on it and it's loud and crowded um i've been on like three different tours that go through the highlands maybe more and there were like 15 people 20 people they're kind of those like tiny small buses um and the great thing is while you're sitting there the guides like part of the thing is to entertain you they're not just like your bus driver is your guide so they're telling you the history and the stories and pointing out things on the side of the road whether it's flora and fauna or like hikes that you never are gonna know driving by yourself so i always recommend at least the first time i i think it's worth it and one of the places that you actually gain more um, from doing that more touristy experience that I wouldn't recommend in other places. Um, yeah. But so we left at sunrise, and uh, if anyone is interested, the people that we went with, it was it's this one guy. I think he might have other drivers, though, but it's called Heartland Travel. So you can literally Google Heartland Travel Scotland, and uh, I think this was our, like, two-day Highlands itinerary. He has a three-day Highlands and Isle of Skye. Um, his name is Nori. He is just the best, funniest character. Um, so eloquent, so smart. We called him the Bonnie Prince Nori throughout the whole trip because um, a lot of Highland history has to do with Bonnie Prince Charles, um, 
which I won't deep dive into, but in a minute I'll give like a quick high level five second synopsis. But so we called him the Bonnie Prince Nori all through our trip, which he loved. Um, and we left at sunrise, which was fun. Like we all piled out of our flats while like all of the other, cause we had to room with or have flats with first year students. I think I've said before, cause they're the only ones that get housing at the university of Edinburgh. And then you're yeah. on your own to be like a real adult in the city. Um, everybody else is like sound asleep. We're leaving on like a Friday or Saturday morning. Um, we're rolling out at sunrise. Everybody was like kind of hungover. Uh, but it was beautiful because we were right near, um, oh my God, everything's going on in my head, but we were right near some really beautiful areas in Edinburgh. And so we got to see like pink skies come up above them as we walked down. And I think we met at the train station for this and then got on the bus. Um, and so we headed out wicked early and that day was one of the most like stereotypical Scottish weather days where it was downpours like not rain <laughs> it was downpours and nori taught us this word uh that i may have said on a previous podcast but drake or drake and it's basically just like bleh like it's it's drake outside like it's sometimes it's when it's not even like downpouring it's just like cloudy and mist and it's like this just kind of like yep like that's the weather here um but yeah. it was so downpouring that even nori was like I haven't seen water flowing down uh, in the highlands like this in, in a while. So you guys are getting like an extra special Scottish experience. It's like a waterfall coming out of the sky. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so we stopped, when I, we stopped a lot along the way and he was telling us these awesome stories and, and also how I got introduced to a lot of cool Scottish music was on the bus tours because in between the stories they would play it. Um, and we stopped at a Heriku paddock, which... They are literally like my favorite animal besides Bella, who's sleeping under me. Um, if you Google, uh, you can Google Highland cow, but they're known as Harry Coos, which is H-A-E-R-Y-C-O-O. And um, you may have seen them before, but they're these cows that have long, big horns. They're usually almost like a ginger red color and they're just shaggy. Like they look like a sh giant sheepdog with big ass horns. Um, and they graze just like it's one of their highland cows and uh, there are farmers, but they graze all through the highlands. And so we had the ones like come up across the street. We had we went to an actual paddock and got to like pet them and take selfies like all in the downpour and they were soaking wet. So their hair was just like sticking everywhere. Um, they are cuties. They're so cute. I'll, I'll, that'll have to be one of our Instagram posts is of them because they're just I love them. I want a hairy coo. I think I have a picture of one. Oh, I actually have one hanging on my wall. Um, there you go. Never to forget. Never to forget. So that was like, we did little stops like that that were related to the culture. You know, we'd stop in villages for um, like snacks and a walk around and lunch break. Nothing like super specific to share. And then um, one of the first big stops that if you are in the Highlands, you definitely will go to this but it's the Three Sisters of Glencoe. Um, you can Google it to get a great picture. I'll also post one. But they're basically these three mountain peaks that are in a row, and they're called the Three Sisters. They're beautiful and green. That was one that has this beautiful, like, river, river waterfall going between two of them. That is just gorgeous. There's some red from the different flora and fauna. 
the rain made it all the more beautiful but it's a very um like a lot of the scottish history actually in the highlands um it's a very sad story in glencoe and i have a song here that i recommend people listening that is a really cool way to one hear a scottish band um but also an incredible scottish story better than i'll tell it and it's called the massacre of glencoe by the Corries, which is C-O-R-R-I-E-S. Um, and basically what happened was there, this is when there were still clans um, in the Highlands and there was this clan called the McDonald's. Uh, it's a little bit more complex than I'll go into, but they were supposed to go sign this treaty slash thing recognizing the new monarchs in England the head of the McDonald's, they got lost going through the Highlands, were late, were told, whatever, it's fine, just just sign the dang thing and go home. So they did and didn't think anything of it. But higher ups, whether I don't know if it's the monarchs or whatnot, BBC has a deep dive into it, didn't like this. And they wanted to be punished. They wanted to make an example of them for disrespecting or potentially, you know, showing signs that they were anti-monarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the English uh, hired another clan called the Campbells to basically take care of the situation. And so they this is another Scottish clan. Um, and so a group of Campbells went to the place the McDonald's lived, which was in Glencoe, basically like un- kind of near slash under the three sisters. And there's something called Highland Hospitality, which is basically... If somebody shows up on your doorstep, doesn't matter who they are, you're going to feed them, you're going to clothe them, you're going to entertain them, keep them warm. And so for 12 days, uh, these men, Campbell men, I think mostly, stayed with the McDonald's and they drank and the uh, McDonald's like slept them in their, kept them in their own homes, fed them, they had celebrations and fight, like all of these things. And on the 12th night, uh, and this is one of the worst things, is it was cowardly, while the McDonald's were asleep in the middle of the night, the Campbell's started massacring them. Um, Mm. Women, children, and the men would slit their throats while they were sleeping at night. And they ended up killing, I don't know what the exact numbers, it was like 30 people and then 40 others as they fled, uh, Mm -hmm. basically died from exposure. And so even to this day, Campbell's in Scotland with the last, the surname Campbell, it's, it's, pretty looked down upon um that clan pretty much ever since that day has been like exiled like they were traitors this kind of fanned flames yeah it's fanned flames of like jacobite uprisings that lasted for a long time afterwards um and so it's known as the massacre of glencoe and so it's this beautiful area but also this really solemn story and just like everything sort of related to the highlands has a lot to do with scottish pride and, and scottish independence Um, But through there, there's a cool hike is kind of a dramatizing it, but a beautiful walk um, that we it was funny. uh, Nori was like, do you guys want to do this in the downpour? And I think there were a lot of people on our trip that were like, eh, like, I want to stay on the bus. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, toss on your damn raincoats. Like, we're going like I'm going. And we walked through and I don't know, there's this photo of me that like, it's one of my favorite pictures of me, not because I look good in it, because I'm a mess, but I just like 
even looking at it myself, like, I'm just radiating this, like, happiness and positivity. And it was, like, literally my – it was raining so hard, my North Face raincoat reached its saturation point and water was seeping through onto my clothes. My jeans turned Mm -hmm. into, like, dark wash jeans. My shoes, which were $15 on Amazon, stayed dry, which was amazing. They weren't a name brand, so I got to reorder those. Everybody was, like, complaining about, like, shoot water in their, like, Timberlands and Columbias. And I was like, my feet are dry. Um, $15. But it was just amazing. Like, you're walking among them. These three sisters are, like, piling high above you. It's It just, it, I was like, somebody's going to come riding out on a horse. Like, this is unreal. Um, and it was just, it was one of my favorite moments traveling that I've ever had. And it, it really like stirs your spirit in a way that I don't think you can, I think people try to convey in writing and films and song and just nothing will ever live up to just being there yourself. Yeah. Um, after that, we stopped again for, at these cool little villages. And I mention it only because... I will say this every time I talk about Scotland, it gets such a crap rep for food. People are always like, I remember when I was leaving for study abroad, someone said to me like, oh, like better stock up on eating here because you're not going to find anything to eat for the next six months. It's a lie. It's a flat out lie. There's something for everyone. And in every single village, you will find the best pastry shops, like with these amazing, hot, fresh little pastries that like you can't get around here, even at like bakehouses. So whatever. They also invented something called the mac and cheese pie, which I think should earn like a Nobel Peace Prize personally, because I think it solves all problems. Um, But they because it hasn't been exported outside of Scotland. I don't, it, honestly, it may have, it may have, maybe somebody listening, if they're somewhere to get a mac and cheese pie, which basically, like, when I say pie, it's kind of like they're mincemeat pies. You can get pies of any kind, which are, like, small handheld things about maybe the size of a big cookie, but thick, and there's a crust, and it's usually filled with, like, like steak and ale pies, steak cooked in mm-hmm. ale, um, with potatoes and different things. They're usually pretty hearty and served warm, but this mac and cheese pie changed my life. Like eating it on the bus as we drove through, like just like pour one out for this pie. I really want to go back. Um, and then there's a lot of, somehow I always wrote Harry Potter into my podcasts. Um, so much, uh, Harry Potter stuff in Scotland and actually, where we stopped, you can see um, Hagrid's hut from uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, where they built it there on the side of the hill. So a lot of the stuff that had to do with Hagrid was CGI'd in, um, but that was actually like on the side of the hill in uh, near Glencoe um, is where they filmed Hagrid's hut and built like a full replica of it. And then the Hogwarts Express also exists. You can ride on it, but I've heard it's like, it's not that special it's just a normal commuter train they try to sell it up a lot so i've seen it multiple times there'll be a lot of stops on any trip you do in the highlands personally i didn't feel the need to like ride on it because you can't see it which is the whole point but it's actually called the jacobite steam train and it comes across that picturesque um if you're a harry potter nerd you'll it's the one where like there's steam billowing out of the train there's like green mountains and it's crossing like a 
a bridge with all the like little arches, a stone bridge is going across. So we waited in the rain for like, it was running behind or something or or we were off on our timetable. So we like hiked up, not hiked, but like walked up to this little hill where everybody else is waiting to see it go by to get a picture of it. And we waited in at this point where it was really cold and it was soaking wet and everything was misty. And we waited for almost like 30, 40 minutes, I think. And then just watched it go by for five minutes. And none of my photos came out great. One, because I did not have a great camera phone at this time, which is sad. But also because it was just like straight mist. Green. Yeah, like straight mist clouded in. Um, but it is very Was it cool. worth it to stand there? To say that I did it, like now looking back, I'm glad I did because I'm not standing in the freezing cold. But like... I one of the things that um, I'm actually going to mention in a second is a lot of these sites, every time you do the ones that are further south in the highlands, um, anytime you do a day trip or an overnight trip through the highlands, and I went on obviously multiple while I was there, there are certain things that they all stop at. <laughs> so by your third trip, you're like, yep, okay, cool, I've seen this. Um, yeah. And that was kind of one of them. I think I saw that one one or two other times, but it it would be definitely worth it on a, a really bright day. And if you are a Harry Potter person, just stand out there, get the pick. Or better, like just watch it go by and be like, oh, Harry Potter's real. <laughs> Maybe just do it in warmer weather at the very least is what we're getting at. Plan your day when there's nicer little, weather. Yeah. I was going to say sunshine, but you might not get sunshine in Scotland all the time. Yeah. So just maybe not missed would, would be a great view. Um, and then we went to, there are so many castles in Scotland. Like I think it has the most capitals per square foot or per capita or something, which is crazy. Um, they go up for sale a lot and I track them just in case. Um, just in case they drop to a reasonable level. Just in, I, you know, Or if I win the lottery, I want to be aware. Um, yeah, just keeping tabs. I want to open up an Airbnb in a, or like an act, no, an actual B&B in a Scottish castle. And that's my retirement plan. That would be fun. Right? Yeah. Um, just pour all I'd my money in that. into that. All right. Well, uh, should I, we'll turn this into my elevator pitch <laughs> to all the <laughs> angel investors listening. <laughs> um, but so what, one of the castles we went to, we did see two, was Dune Castle. This is this is one that I toured this upwards of five times because every day trip I went on, it's like that thing that's further, further, far enough south that no matter where you're going on your little highland trip, you're probably going to pass by it. Um, it also is very, very cool and has a lot of reasons you'd want to visit. But by the fifth one, I think I went again with my parents and I was like, Maybe I toured through it again with them, but there was one day trip where I was like, I'm just going to walk around the grounds and explore the river outside because I don't need to do, like, I don't need to go in it for a fifth or sixth time, which was, like, so privileged. Like, that's when I felt like I was living there for a while when I was like, okay, cool. Like, this 13th century castle or 10th century castle or whatever. Um, But some of the fun stuff about the castle, besides the fact that it's pretty well maintained, so you can like go up these spiral staircases and you can see um, the its actual courtyard, like it's very well preserved and there's a great um, audio tour for walking through it, which is one of my favorite ways to to tour things, um, is it 
was the opening scene. It was the pilot of Game of Thrones. So the scene, one of the only scenes where all the family is together before people start dying when, um, oh my God, what's, what's the brothers, Jamie and Cersei, when they're coming and the family's standing out in a courtyard to greet them before they like wreak havoc on yeah, everybody. It was Winterfell. Yep. So they filmed that there before they decided to go to Ireland and film everything there because Scotland was too expensive, Um, which apparently was a really big loss uh, for like Scottish tourism and and those things. So they're actually trying to work on that to entice more future shows back. Yeah. So they filmed there. Outlander filmed there. If you are an Outlander book or TV show fan. So one part of the audio tour is actually recorded um, by Sam Hugan, who is plays the main character there, and I'm in love with. So that was very fun to hear him. Like they have a section talking about where they filmed, and it was Castle Leoc, and it was used a lot. Um, and they actually like recreated a town around it, which was kind of cool. So if you went to visit during those times, um, they, there were people that actually like saw the town still set up. And then the last throwback that also filmed there is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, And one of the funnier things is that there's this like giant, uh, giant stove, basically. It was just a huge room. And it's in like a famous bedroom scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. They could have the best lighting in what was a stove. So it's just kind of funny to see like the mix of pop culture pop culture film and then like actual history uh and like walking on these stones that you're like oh my god all these people who are alive now that are famous and i've watched have like walked here but also this was people's living spaces and they walked here and, and cooked dinner here and um i, I just it's a love, meeting point of all time yeah, yeah i just love stuff like that, that stove thing is really cool yeah it was really interesting um and i just kind of love anytime you can walk through and like I'm not the biggest museum person, but I like touring actual buildings that existed because um, it just feels more real than like seeing a piece of pottery and trying to imagine someone creating it. Yeah. So that's my type of of um, history nerding out. And then we saw another castle that is also very famous that you'd probably recognize an image of called Ilian Donan Castle. We did not go in because we didn't want to pay for it. Um, and the inside, I heard, is is not that fascinating. But what's striking is the outside. It's it's basically on this very tiny island with um, these gorgeous highland mountains behind it, surrounded by a lock, and there's this long stone bridge leading out to it. So it is just striking, and it's beautiful. It's also extremely old, like everything else. But um, also filter, featured in a lot of movies, including uh, Maid of Honor, if you uh, watch that with Patrick Dempsey. There's a big scene where he like rides on a horse to go stop a wedding of this his best friend that he's in love with, and uh, that it, it they, sounds dreamy. It was so dreamy. Uh, he they didn't film it inside like the inside part, but they did film like this two second piece of the movie there of him riding across this bridge. I was like, I'm in the wrong career. Like, fly me somewhere <laughs> for something that's gonna be there for five seconds. Um. But that is beautiful, and it is something that you will definitely see, especially if you continue on to the Isle of Skye, which I'm not going to touch on today. Um, I'll touch on a different time. And then we stayed at 
this place called the Stash Station Masters Lodge, which has a great Facebook page if you want to ever do a vacation there. It's this beautiful big home on another giant lock. Um, I love the name. Right? And it's it's a true lodge and you rent it out. So it's not a hotel. Like you would rent the home out. There's a full kitchen. There's a stove fireplace. It's just all greenery and these wooden fences around. Um, the closest grocery store is like 35 minutes away, I think. So it's just such seclusion and it was beautiful. So we stopped and got groceries um, and then went to... Uh, and I remember there was this moment where we all really wanted to get um, basically hard cider, like alcoholic cider, because it's really popular there. There's a great brand called Disley Cross. And some, like I hadn't even turned 21 yet, but obviously we're legal to drink there. But since we were on like what we thought was like a school excursion or like with this, like kind of like a dad, like Nori, we were like, um, are we allowed to like buy the, and he was like, well, you're legal. Like, just don't, you know, don't drink it in front of us. Like, whatever, like go do whatever you want. Just be smart. Don't get crazy. Yeah. And we're all like, oh my God. It was really, it was just this funny moment of like running into the grocery store and being like, we're buying this six pack, um, <laughs> of cider. Do you see my passport? Yeah. Of Thistly Cross cider. Um, but what was awesome is as we get to the Station Master's Lodge and we're settling in and it's super cozy. We like lit a fire in this like uh, uh, stone fireplace and there was this big window that had like a little reading nook on it where you could see the lock behind it and these two mountains that like were coming down into a valley. Um, all of a sudden the sun broke through and these full giant rainbows, I'm gonna sound like the double rainbow guy, like came out of nowhere. And so everyone else was super cranky. Like, we were a group of, like, 15 people, maybe less. And everyone else was so cranky from being in the rain all day. And me and um, my friend Sam and Alex were like, oh, my God, like, there's a rainbow. And everyone was like, cool, like, whatever. And we put, we, like, tossed on our wet shoes and, like, ran outside down to the lock. And no one else came out. So it was, like, silent and beautiful. And it was the first time I've seen, like, you could see from both sides. It was, like, right over the lock and this, like, the most pure golden sunshine ever was just like shining on the mountains and it was a real a real moment there um yeah i can imagine that would be life life changing it, it like was that. you just i don't know it makes you like question things in a good way you're like wow this like the fact that this exists like somewhere in the world it just really opens your mind to kind of the beauty that's out there that we don't get to see in our backyards yeah. except unless you're there and it was their literal backyard um and then it was just a fun night and we what we picked up was we picked up um haggis neeps which are turnips and taddies which are potatoes and um we all took turns like we had different roles like mashing the potatoes or boiling them or cooking the haggis so all of the i'm calling you know just calling us students the study abroad group took turns learning how to cook this traditional dinner and then sat down at this long table and ate this like hearty boiled dinner with the fire crackling and then hung out afterwards. And my friend Alex um, was a swing dancer. So he was teaching like a bunch of us how to swing dance. We were like dancing in the living room. And it was, it's just magical. It's something that you can't transport back to. And even if I went back, I'm sure it'd be a lovely experience. It just will be different. You know, like it's, you ref yeah. when you're reflecting back, you'll never have that moment again. Yeah, you can't um, capture that magic. No. 
And uh, I'm like, oh, I'm like smiling so much just thinking about it. Um, But then the next morning we were going to be heading back. But before we did that, um, a fisherman in this tiny little rusty boat uh, who had the thickest Scottish accent was going to take us out basically like scalloping um, in the lock. And there was like a almost like sunrise like 5 a.m group and then there was like you could go at 6 or 7 a.m and again like everybody else wanted to sleep in so my friends and I got to do the really early one which was freezing but just beautiful because like the steam or like not steam but like mist was rising and we're out on the block in this like tiny like the rustiest boat I've ever seen but he pulled up all this cool stuff. There were these like bright orange starfish um, and clams and mussels. But we were specifically looking for the scallops. And so we helped like unload everything and he would shuck and clean them. And then we tried them raw because they are so fresh that it was like safe to do that. And it was it was so weird. It was like the most delicious thing. It almost reminded hmm. me of um, like a softer oyster, a less less of an ocean yeah. booger. But just having it, like, literally, we had just pulled it up. Um, <laughs> Jordan's grimacing at that reference. That's what oysters are, though. They're the boogers of the sea. They are. They are. They're so good, though. Um, I love them. But the scallops were just, like, these tiny little sweet guys. And so we, whoever wanted to, tried them broad. Like, we had just pulled them up out of the, the lock. And then he had a tiny little um, frying pan. And he put just a tiny bit of butter in the bottom of it and cooked them. And, like, that's it. Like, no garlic, no seasoning. Um, and we each got to eat those, like, as we're floating out on the lock and, like, the sun's rising. And it was one of the best uh, one of the so best cool. things of seafood I've ever had. And then, we, sure. yeah, we came back and I don't think they caught or got as many scallops in the second one. And so we were like, hmm, like, sucks to, sucks to have stayed up and had us. to drink all yeah. night and then not, not being able to go out with the scallop man. Um, it was so fun. And then the last big thing, because that day was really just driving back with a couple small stops. Um, but we stopped at Loch Ness, which a lot of people know. I think it's one of the biggest locks in Ireland. Or in Ireland, oh my God, in Scotland. And oh. I know I'm never going to be allowed back. And it is extremely deep and it's freezing cold. And we were there in September and the whole time, like we were told, like going on this trip, like bring your bathing suit in case you want to jump in in Loch Ness, which uh, if you don't know, is famous for like Nessie. The Loch Ness monster is like a really big myth. Um, People kind of know it all over the world, but. There are people who, like, swear they've seen it, like, swear there's, like, sightings of it, and there's some, like, unexplainable stuff. There there are some really fun stories dating all the way to to very recent times. So there's a lot of, like, Nessie paraphernalia around the lake, and it's just a very cute village. Um, But so as we're, like, getting to Loch Ness, Nori, our driver, is getting, like, very concerned because there were four of us or more that were like no we there were probably five of us that were like we are jumping in Loch Ness like we are going to do it and it was a really cold day and so he started getting like I'm not kidding anymore like I am telling you right now I do not recommend you doing this like you need to if you're gonna do it you need to prepare yourself like when you hit the water it's so cold that you want to gasp for air and I one time had a guy like inhale water and then start panicking. He was like, I've also had somebody jump in 
you rise up and your body goes through shock for a second where you can't like swim you can't move it feels like you can't move your arms and legs and he's like I've had to jump in after people I do not want to do that today like please basically was like please don't do this and three of us so a bunch of people got scared out of it three of us were like Nori we hear you you're not gonna have to save us but like we're doing this and I think he was like kind of we're kind of he was kind of pissed off he what he like yes except we were told we could do this the whole time and he was like okay all right and he but he was just like nervous about it especially because like it's a bunch of 19 or 20 year olds so three of us decided to go and we basically stood uh like at the edge of a parking lot there was not a beach and he was like you don't want to walk in if you're going to do it you need to just jump so we couldn't touch the water first there was um basically like the edge of a parking lot that he had the bus parked in these two beams like kind of like fence type things um met and he was like this is deep enough I know it is like this is where we do it you stand on it you go one two three you jump don't like breathe in and then just let yourself like pause and float there and then swim to basically this like little rock pier and it was beautiful so I did it and it was the the initial impact didn't bother me because I swim in the Atlantic Ocean like if you've ever swam in the Atlantic Ocean and survived like you're probably fine but there was a moment when you come up where like I've no, I haven't had this experience where you're trying to like move your arms and like nothing is like moving and you're like what the fuck's happening <laughs> so it was so so cold but also like one of the coolest experiences just to like have jumped into this lock that you've grown up hearing all these like myths about and um there were these people that gathered to watch us from the other shore like not the whole other side because they wouldn't be able to see us but like kind of across the way and they're all bundled up in like scarves and stuff and like just what the f are these children doing um but it was magical and i would highly recommend it just don't make nori jump in after you because that would be rude yeah, so was was nori happy that he didn't have to jump in yeah and like once we did it he was like totally fine and he thought it was wicked cool we did it and it was great um i think he was just like I need to emphasize to these children because because if you really weren't prepared and you weren't a good swimmer or you haven't been in cold water um but the three of us that did it like two of us were from new england and one of us was from Banff, canada so mm-hmm. used to the cold um i didn't find the loch ness monster which was disappointing i was really hoping to do that but it just felt like this weird little magical experience yeah i would love to see that and the way that i picture it it's like hills surrounding the lake or the lock, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and on the other side, there was. On our side, it was pretty level just because that's where the town really was that we then had um, lunch in. But it was adorable. I have some really good pictures from it. So I'll include one of those in the Instagram. But that's actually sometimes my icebreaker now. Like when you have to say a fun fact, like when you're starting a new job or with a new team, I was like, oh, I've, I've jumped in Loch Ness. Um, which is a fun thing. And then the rest of the ride home, we just uh, talked a lot about the Jacobite uprising, which was when Charles Stewart, Bonnie Prince Charlie, was trying to regain control of the English throne, I think from George II, but I get them all confused. Um, and he played a lot on Scottish independence and, and used a lot of what was the Jacobite army, which was primarily Scottish people, um, 
and it was brutally shut down and something Nori talked about that we passed near but he will not bring his tours to because he he can't just handle it anymore is um Culloden Moor which I ended up actually never being able to find a tour group that would go there or had it included um they do exist it is it is a big thing um and I think I would like to go at some point but for those that don't know it's basically where one the Jacobite uprising and Bonnie Prince Charlie's attempts to take the throne were finally squashed in just this absolute brutal massacre of the Scottish people um, mm-hmm. It was a giant flat. They they had basically been winning a series of battles with the English, which was wildly impressive. Um, but usually because they had the element of surprise on their side, they were attacking different villages uh, or towns. Um, but this was basically one flat more. And when you're against people that have cannons and guns and you have swords, mostly, um, does not pan out unfortunately so it's a it is a very sad place um there's it's supposed to be some beautiful like stone markings of the different clans um it is very serious to the scottish people because when this uprising was squashed it's also when they doubled down on basically removing the highland way of life and scottish culture was banned um there were there were several things banned but like clans were pretty much disbanded and had no power Things like that. So it, it marked um, a very serious way of life um, and special way of life ending that pretty only recently certain elements have been allowed to to come back. I think it's awesome that you're able to enjoy nature in that way, but also able to, you had the chance to bring in some of the history yeah. of Scotland at the same time too, while yeah. appreciating the natural beauty of it. And I think that's something unique, right? Because a lot of other places and I'm making a very broad generalization, but if you go to go on hikes and whatnot, it's not, you're not really like knowing what the history is. And there is a lot of hiking in the Highlands. Um, If you're there, like if anytime you're in the Highlands, you are in like the thicket of serious Scottish history and it's, it's very alive. Um, And I think it impacts your experience the more, or at least having a general knowledge of, of what happened and the impact it still has today. So that was interesting. Um, and I loved it. It was one of my favorite places, but there's so much. And that that barely scratches the surface of the things you can see and do there. We were there for 48 hours, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and I will. It's a great massive land. It is. And I have, um, I have some other things I'll share on a different podcast for my second long trip in the Highlands. But the last thing I'll leave you with is this brilliant dessert called the Millionaire Shortbread. I've probably mentioned it before, but it is um, a shortbread base with a layer of like creamy caramel, not like solid, chewy, chewy, and then a thick layer of almost like a chocolate fudge cut in squares. And on the way home, that was what I like ended like the bus ride, listening, listening to some Scottish music, taking notes on my phone about all the stories Nori was telling that were deleted when I didn't back my phone up um, and never to be found again. But now I know a hard lesson learned and it was um, just the perfect experience. And then I probably skipped class the next day. (laughs) That's okay. You were there for the Highlands, not for class. Listen to how much history I remembered. I know. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing the pictures of everything. I know. They were beautiful. Um, and then I do want to recommend um, a couple artists to listen to if you want to feel like you are riding through the highlands. Um, and sometimes I think music is like the a very interesting way to learn a culture and a country. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. I'm going to save a couple for the second tour. Um, but I already said the Corys in, in general, but especially if you want to hear a little bit more about um, the massacre of Gunco. Um, the Proclaimers are a Scottish band. Not sure if you knew that, but they have one... Um, song that is very famous, which is the, well, actually pretty much like all of the Shrek soundtrack is, <laughs> is the Proclaimers. Oh, really? Like I'm, <laughs> I'm on my way. That's them. Um, but the one everybody must know is, uh, I'm going to be like, and I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 mm. more. So that's also the Proclaimers. And we, on every trip, on the start of every trip, like every time we got in the bus, Nori would play it. And... On other trips I went on, they did. But this one, it became, like, our theme song for our, like, six months in Scotland. Because every time we got on the bus, he'd play it. Or, like, towards the very end, when we were all sleepy and it was getting dark, we back to the city. Like, people were napping on and off because you just can't help it. And he put it on and, like, everybody, like, came alive. Got and right back into sang it. Sang along. Um, it felt kind of like, like middle school, school bus trips when you're, like, singing along. But that became, like, I can never not hear that song and get amps but also like so nostalgic for scotland so that's a great one um i'll share some others at a different time but one other that i'll say is a great band um that people just listen to it's less of like uh like folk music that's telling a story or is almost like great for tourists um skippinish s-k-i P-I-N-N-I-S-H is just a fantastic band to listen to in general. They're very moving, but um, some of their songs are actually in, um, like, native Scottish language, Mm -hmm. uh, which is... Irish is... It's it's basically Celtic, but they pronounce it differently than however Ireland does. Gaelic and Gaelic. Yeah, Gaelic and Gaelic. Um... I forgot their Gaelic. I don't know. I got it confused. But it is not the same language. It's this yeah. different version. It's almost like different dialects. And some of their yeah. songs are in, in it, which is fascinating. But then there are also some in English, but have a lot of um, traditional Scottish elements. So very, very yeah. cool. And um, I have a Scotland playlist for anyone that wants to find it on Spotify. <laughs> you can find me. And then it's the playlist on there called scotland Scotland. (laughs) very very obvious yeah that's fun yeah i'll have to take a listen to that sometime when i'm in the hills it's it's really good or just maybe or just a rainy spring day like the next time it's kind of rainy out toss it on while you're like cooking or something or having scotch pour yourself some whiskey yesterday would have been good yesterday would have been perfect i don't i don't drink scotch but have you if ever, I ever do try it? Have you ever tried like really good scotch? No, but I don't think that would make a difference. We I gotta. Don't like, I don't like dark liquors. Have you? We'll we'll talk about this. I have to bring yeah. you to the. No, no, we'll do. We'll go for dinner, at that at um my favorite 
slash only Scottish yeah. restaurant. <laughs> yes. But we'll go for one of the tasting nights, but you don't have to get a tasting. So you can just try mine someday in the future yes, when we're vaccinated and that's like a real thing again. Like I won't even make Swapping you share. drinks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited to swap drinks again. <laughs> <laughs> what? When, like when you're traveling, do you have any somewhat rare, like what are your little kind of privileged, kind of bratty is the wrong word, like preferences or non-negotiables? Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, I think I do. Um, like those little things, like we rough it a lot, but like what are your like, I would pay extra money for this or like I have to do this or or you know I need to go do this thing and I have two if Um, you need to think a little bit yeah go ahead I want to hear yours so my first one is non-stop flights I probably have said this before but I don't care if it's a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars more it has to be astronomical or I have to be flying with other people that care or there has to be literally no non-stop flight um because i i hate it like i absolutely hate i think it's the dumbest thing to like get off waste your day get back in line potentially lose your bags or have to carry your bags through somewhere like and by the and like it kills your spirit because like i don't dislike flying but when i have to disembark and i'm not in my location and i have to now and i'm like this is time that i could have just like been at my destination um it's painful and then I spend money well not not I guess I wouldn't during COVID because I would like hide in a corner but like you're like I'm gonna go drink at the bar I'm gonna have a snack and it's just it's stressful you get sweaty if you're running through like everything about it is awful and um and I that's a non-negotiable for me unless I'm really forced to by other people and then my completely get that my second one is um food when I'm in that country like I am kind of a brat when I'm with other people like my last night in Switzerland on my most recent trip which was two years ago over two years or a year and a half ago now people wanted to, were like let's just grab like pizza it's really fast on the last night and I'm like no like I'll I'll walk around 20 more minutes but I'm not getting pizza in Switzerland right now like I'm going to find fondue or I'm going to find raclette or I'm going to find like something that has like good food that I can't get at home or that is traditional. And I will look at multiple restaurant menus. I will say no. I have literally like separated from a group before. I'd rather go eat on my own. Um, And I, I try to handle it nicely. And I'm like, you know, you can go do whatever you want. But it's one of my like, I can't, I will not like be quiet because I, I have been quiet before. And then I'm just so upset about the situation. Yeah, I can see that. I'm pretty flexible in terms of that. But yeah. I do have my own limit yeah. that I won't do that. But I know what you mean with that. So I will pay for a seat next to a bathroom on a flight. I've kind of covered that. I just like the comfort level of that. Um, kind of do the same thing on trains too. And then um, I'm as I'm getting older, I want to sleep with less people in the room. So like <laughs> hostels now. I thought you were... I... What? No, just the way you phrased that, you paused. And I just pictured like 
you with like five other people in one bed because you're like, I just want to sleep with less people in one room. <laughs> that would be a little bit much, I would say, <laughs> especially for me. Um, like my first hostel that I stayed in, I think there were 16 people in the room, which is just too many. Oh my God. That's just but way now, too many. Yeah, I think my limit is like four now. And it'll probably keep reducing until it's just me. At until some point. you're finally but that's like, now. I can't do it. No, just I think hotels. I think that's fair. Um, you definitely have said the bathroom one because I think that's so controversial, and we've talked about this before. Where I'm like, who want? Like, I don't understand wanting yeah. to sit next to the bathroom, but I also try never to pee on on public transport. Yeah, I just it makes me more comfortable. Yeah typically is at the very back of the plane so there's nobody behind me too yeah so it just it works out well for that if we ever flew together you'd be in the back and i would be in like the very first row yes what would happen yes. <laughs> yes. like i'll see you in and six hours yeah we wouldn't we wouldn't talk on the flight no we wouldn't i'm not a big <laughs> flight chatter anyways no what are you going to talk about unless it's people going? i don't know i do i do sometimes like when i won't strike up conversation i see i won't start it but i will participate in it because i love like hearing people's stories the, the last thing i want to do on a flight is talk to somebody i have no idea who who they are you just have to have a good exit strategy like there has to be a, which i never there is do. no exit strategy you pretend you gotta pretend to be asleep Where are you going? just pretend to be asleep that's like the only thing you can do is all of a sudden like mid-conversation shut your eyes and start snoring it's like oh, so sorry wake up sorry, five hours Margalepsy. later <laughs> gotta hate it yeah just headphones headphones are the great equalizer they are you stick them in and everybody yeah. leaves you alone no i that was uh, a good question i like that right i woke up in the middle of the night thinking about it and i don't i don't know why um yeah i i agree with you i actually just because of the way it's worked out i haven't um gone back to europe or anywhere at a time where i was like looking for a hotel room um because the last time i went back just myself i stayed with a friend um and then i was on the cruise and we did like airbnbs so if it was just me or like one other person I was traveling, I still, I don't, if it was just me, I think I could handle hostels again. But like if Hunter and I went, I think I'd be like, I don't really want a bunk bed with you. Yeah. It would much, it would be much simpler just to get a one room and like in, in like a hostel even yeah. then, or just Airbnb or Yeah, just do room. something like that. Yeah. Know. Wow. I never really thought about that part of my life being semi over until this moment. <laughs> That's good though. That's good. You kind of want to leave that in the past. It's a good realization. As much as you can. Yeah, my I, my um, your sixteen bed hostel reminded me of my. It, it was almost like twenty bed. They had like five rows of four, four beds high. Maybe it was yeah, three. Four sounds unreal. We've that. talked about that in London. Yeah. And I'm like, I actually think, I think now if I walked into that, I would have walked right back out. <laughs> You know what I mean? But alas, it's like, sorry, I had no idea what I was doing. Like keep my keep my thirty five dollars a night or whatever. Like I don't care. <laughs> I'm gonna go find anything that isn't this. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. The end. Boop 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 boop.
I'm totally gonna keep that noise in. <laughs> <laughs> that's our that's our exit now. Boop boop boop. Thanks for listening. If you have questions, comments, or topic suggestions, feel free to email us at unravelourtravel at gmail.com.